Welcome to episode three of Pax Podcastia. Uh, I'm your host, Will. This is the co-host, Blake. Blake Talk. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. <laughs> the deep voice. Thanks for having me back again. Again. <laughs> yeah. Deep voice guy. And then the, <laughs> the, I don't know, my voice guy. <laughs> what are the, there's like tenor, bass. What are they? I don't even know. I've, I never knew about singing. Tr- trumpet. Saxophone. You're a nice tenor, Will. You're a good tenor. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so we're talking about Answer Your Job by Carl Jung, um, spelled Jung. <laughs> we're talking about Carl Jung today. Carl Jung. I've actually seen a video with like over a million views where they kept saying Jung. It's no. Like, no one says it like that. Stop. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, Carl Jung. Carl Jung, the uh, 18th century... Uh, 20, psychiatrist 20th century 20th century psychiatrist thank you Psych- psychologist uh so he was um he did some like medical practice blah 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 yeah what um, was i saying <laughs> 20th he, century yeah. 20th century <laughs> he was a disciple and then freud like found him first time freud and him talked was, was like 14 hours or something so they wow. were like fast friends um freud was older um so he's a disciple of freud um and uh, Freud, of course, the father of psychology. Um, I was thinking about psychology, uh, the etymology of that. Mm-hmm. And in Greek, I have my English to Greek dictionary here. In suke, you know, mm-hmm. psyche, mm-hmm. Um, means breath, spirit, life, living being, person, soul of man, et cetera, et cetera. Stuff of like that. Like even a, it can mean a ghost, a departed soul, courage, appetite, desire, um spirit i think i said but they have what spirit were the, twice what, what were those first few for like the first four that it said there breath comma spirit semicolon mm-hmm. life semicolon living being person yeah yeah that makes sense that's yeah. kind of the, the concept of the mind or consciousness yeah so it's study you could say the study of the soul study of the spirit mm-hmm. study of life studying of being such person yeah uh, um and then but then uh Su, uh, suko means breath, blow, I guess, like, like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> don't uh, do that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Does that no, can you sound that? Can you hear that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, um, or cool, whatever. It means breath. So it's mm-hmm. like kind of interesting in spirit, like spirit and breath. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people know. Or yeah, the breath of know. life. Breath of life. Yeah. God mm-hmm. breathed. Jung actually mm-hmm. talks about that a little bit. He breathed. Yeah. Um, the breath of God into creation, into man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but anyway, uh, so now, so answer to Job is basically like kind of a dual meaning. It's like it's Jung's answer to Job, but it's also God's answer to God Job. God's answer to Job. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the book of Job. If you don't know, is you can help me out on this if uh, <laughs> if I screw up. But um, it's basically okay. like like uh, there's this r- perfectly dressed guy named Job, um, and God is bragging to the su- quote unquote sons of God. So it's like his um, royal court mm-hmm. of like angels and yeah um, people and spiritual beings. And the the Satan, or the Satan, 
mm-hmm. which is a Hebrew word. Um, oh yeah, that's the Hebrew word. We're trying to figure that out. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the Satan is like, Hey, Job is not a good guy. Like God was like, look at Job. He's such a good guy. And then the adversary is basically like the, I saw one video where they called him the prosecuting, the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like the criminal is always guilty, you know, to a prosecutor. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's like, well, if you took all his stuff away, um, right. kill his family, like he wouldn't be loyal right. to you. And so Job all- was a, Job was a just and right man. He, he acted correctly. He was obedient to God and the laws. Um, but he was also well off. He had a, you know, he fairly wealthy, um, had a good family, children that he cared for very much, a wife, um, good health as far as we, I don't, yeah, I think it even says he's in good health. Um, so has, you know, a successful, happy life on the earth. Um, but he is obedient to God. You know, he follows all the laws. He is, uh, doing what he's supposed to be doing. Um, and Satan says to God, you know, and God says, Oh, look at this, you know, uh, uh, Job, he's, you know, such a loyal follower of mine. He's obedient to me, um, as is proper. And Satan says, Oh, well, yeah, it's easy to be, you know, loyal and obedient when you've got all these blessings, you know, when you've got this fortune and wealth and success, um, then, you know, then you can be thankful to God for that. And uh, it's easier to obey. But I guarantee if you take away all that stuff, he's still not, he's going to curse you. He's going to abandon God, you know, abandon you, God. Uh, but yeah, take it from there. Oh, yeah. So um, God is like, OK, Satan, like apparently Satan, the Satan has power. And he's like. Uh, so he's like, OK, Satan, go and do just kill, kill all his kill his family ruin him financially just do the worst things but don't touch his body like make sure like uh don't make well, him he sick is or even afflicted he's no, 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 he's afflicted until, with he is afflicted later. later yeah oh okay okay i'm sorry I'm so sorry. at first so and then all this stuff happens like his whole flocks get killed uh just bad thing after bad thing happened all of sons loses daughters, his lands dies. children are killed uh-huh only his wife survives um, and his wife is like, curse God so that he can kill you, basically. That's the mm-hmm. interpretation. Um, and and he refuses to curse God. He says, the Lord gives, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and then, so God's like, look, Satan, like, he's good. And he's like, no, if you, if you attack his body, he'll really, like, he'll curse you to your face. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, attack his body. So it gives him like diseases, like skin diseases in particular, I think is the main mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, he's covered in boils. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to the point where he's like scraping off stuff with he's a. Scra- uh, yeah, scraping his skin with, with a rock. Uh-huh. Or yeah, the pot shard. Yeah, yeah. And he's just laying there, essentially dying, but still he remains faithful to God. Yeah. yeah. He, he does, though, bring up questions and then okay to get into answer to job the this is the interesting thing uh so young young is essentially offering a critical analysis of the book of job um and he's offering a, a new perspective i'm pretty sure to his time it was a new perspective on it um and what he's essentially saying is that job is being uh, attacked by god 
you know, God is allowing this, God is willing this to be, um, and that, that that's an unjust act. Um, and in the book of Job, Job says, well, I will, um, it, you know, God is the most just, um, you know, the arbiter of justice in the entire universe, you know, uh, so I will bring my case before God, but it's God who's afflicting him. I mean, Satan is the one enacting this, these things, but it's to the will of God, um, is what Jung is saying. Um, and, uh, so I don't know. So maybe you could explain that better, but that's, that's what Jung's initial thing that he's, he's explaining is that, um, God is doing an unjust act to Job. And yet Job is uh, he's kind of talking to his friends um, and discussing how he will. Um, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Appeal to God's justice, even though he knows that it is in the will of God for these things to be occurring to him. So it's kind of a, a, an ironic thing or counterintuitive thing. And I guess that's what um, that's what Jung is making a point of. Um, counterintuitive. Yeah, I think, I mean, what Jung is saying about Job or what Job kind of brings up is like why the, the issue of suffering, why suffering exists. Um, and, you know, like to me, it seems like, like the kind of, the kind of stock Christian answer is like, you don't know, uh, you don't know the mind of God. You don't know how he's going to, or like what his plan is. Um, mm -hmm. And that is, I feel like in practice for me, <clears throat> that does kind of satisfy my, the, like my soul, mm -hmm. but my intellect is still very confused about it. Right. And I think um, that's what, that's what Jung is trying to uh, extrapolate out of it. Um, is the mean? intellectual, yeah. is the intellectual debate of it. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where, so to kind of finish up, to wrap up the story of Job, um, he's afflicted, uh, you know, with these diseases of the skin and, you know, he's kind of sickly and nearing death. And his wife is saying, you know, curse God to be so you can die and be released from this hell, you know. Um, and then Job goes on to actually talk with God um, and God says, you know, basically, who are you to question my authority? Who are you to question what I'm doing here at all? You know, Job has these ideas, ideas of what justice is in that, you know, I'm a I'm a good man. I why are these? Th why should a good man suffer is what Job is saying. It's not just. And then God says, well, who are you to even ask that? Mm -hmm. I, I actually wrote it down here, if you don't mind me um, busting it out. Yeah. God says to Job in 38 five, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if thou hast understanding. You know, so God is saying, like, you weren't there when I made the universe. Were you? Were you, were you yeah. there when I made the universe? So you don't have understanding. I do because I made everything. Everything comes from me. Yeah. Um, and then Job says, uh, uh, who is this that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have spoken unwisely and things that above measure exceeded my knowledge. Therefore, I reprehend myself and do penance in dust and ashes. Job reprehends himself. He says, I am wrong to ask this question. I am wrong to seek justice from on my terms to the, to the almighty God. So at the very end, that's this sort of, and then God gives him back and, uh, gives him all of his fortunes back, you know, tenfold and gives children back 
mm-hmm. thrice fold or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, all is right in the world. But that's not the point, though, of Job is not like with faithfulness, you will be rewarded. I think it's almost I, I was going to ask you what your position is on that, because the mm-hmm. way I take it is he wasn't rewarded for his faithfulness necessarily, because God's saying God's point is what you do on this earth doesn't uh, equate to fortune or success or suffering on this earth. They're unrelated. My plan is what will occur on this earth. Nothing else. His, you know, what he, what he wills will occur. And, you know, and, and that's why that's kind of an explanation. At least I take it as that, um, you know, when people say, well, why do good people, why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, we don't really know. That's kind of a mystery of existence. That's sort of a mystery of our place in this universe as human beings with, you know, with God above us, uh, you know, in the orders of everything. Um, bad things do happen to good people. We obviously know that. And that gets into the problem of evil, which I do want to talk about. Um, but this probably we could probably do that in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that. So just to back up a little. Yeah, please. Um, so there's this move. My favorite movie of all time, actually, is The Tree of Life by Terrence Malick. Written and oh, directed. I've never seen that. I've never seen that. So I need to. that same quote, uh, he uses that as the whatever the beginning quote before the movie starts. And it's uh, but he adds a little to it. So it's um, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth ellipsis and the, the sons of God and the stars or something shouted for joy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's actually in, I think that might be the next verse. Yeah. It's like, it skips, he skips. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So he's contending with that idea throughout the movie. And it's uh, like this family in the South in the fifties and they lose a son and it's uh, like the dad and the mom and everyone kind of dealing with that for part of the movie. And, and then, um, uh, Jessica Chastain, who plays the mom of the dead son, uh, who died at 19, um, sad. Yeah. Uh, was like, you know, praying or whatever. And it's like, where were you? Um, and then it just cuts to the beginning of the universe and it just starts showing. So it's kind of like, it, Oh wow. It, uh, yeah. And it just shows, and it's actually one of the most like it's probably the most visually striking. It's like comparable to like what 2001 space odyssey must have looked like back in the day. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. And, uh, like the cinematographer was like, this is the, this is the, like the best project I've ever worked on. This is great. I love this. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Cause it wow. goes and it like, it goes where like the big bang and then like all like the music is obviously like amazing. Mm-hmm. And then it goes <laughs> right. to like the world being created Right. Uh, but it's all, it's all like, it's not like, and then God's finger comes down. It's like all like real, you mm-hmm. know, like, well, have you ever seen the movie Noah mm-hmm. it, the, in, in that movie in the beginning, it starts and it, the kids are saying, tell us the story of yeah. creation again. And it's kind of, it's like that. And he's explaining it. He's using biblical words, but yeah. the images on the screen are of the big bang yeah. and the coalescing so cool. of the universe <laughs> and, the, and the galaxies and the yeah. you know planets forming out of the dust of the universe and all that kind of stuff. Um, which I thought was very, very interesting that it's like the biblical explanation, but then the physical reality are shown is what's being shown to you, which is what I kind of believe myself. So to see that, Visually, it was very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, please continue on. I, I need to watch that movie, though. Yeah, definitely. At least the part up until um, 
where the universe is created. Because it's like, and then life comes about, and then you see these kind of strange scenes where, like this, um, this dinosaur like shows mercy to another dinosaur, or it's like you know it's not really mercy because they're not exactly conscious. But he's mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't need to eat you right now. I can just like mm-hmm. run away. Like I mm-hmm. like you're harmless. Okay, I'm gonna get out of here. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Right. <laughs> there's a diff- there's a bunch of different readings of it, but yeah, that that's one of my favorite movies. And what um when God speaks out of the whirlwind because it's like he's kind of speaking out of a storm to Job. Job yeah. is like like um. Give me, give me my day in court, basically. Like, and right. I'll show you them just. Right. And then, so God's like, okay, fine. I'll just, I'll just like, uh, kind of do that in a way. Um, but it just made me think of like, uh, like a mushroom trip or something. You know, like yeah, it is very hallucinogenic imagery. Yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. Well, especially when God is like describing all the things of create, like of creation, all the work of creation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the destruction of Leviathan and and everything. And um, and when I'm reading the descriptions of Leviathan, I'm picturing like a, a great dragon. I don't know if that's correct or not, but that's what that's what was came to my mind. Um, mm-hmm. uh, is Leviathan one of them? Is the ocean one? Is that yeah, there's one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Behemoth is of the ocean and Leviathan is of the land. Yeah. So that kind of, it's almost, it seems almost like an argument from size or like an art. Well, it's definitely an argument from complexity, but do you think it's satisfying? Like in what way is it satisfying? What way is it, is it not for you? Well, Okay, yeah. For me, though, uh, for me, yes. I, I, t- to me, what it's describing is a hierarchy, an order of the universe. Like, I am God. I'm above you. I'm a, a, above everything that would be above you. I, you know, like <laughs> uh, Leviathan, men would be nothing to the Leviathan, right? Um, and to, to God, you know, he easily enslaves the Leviathan to his will. So it, it's about it's about a, like an ordering, a tier, like obviously God is at the top. And then below that you have like these, you know, celestial beings, angels, um, and then monsters and beasts of the earth that would, you know, men would cower to, and then man, you know, and then the animals of the earth and the beasts of the earth, you know, that we deal with every day. Um, so there's orders and magnitudes to the universe. And I think that's what God is trying to say there. I think it is like an argument from strength or like power. God has power. God has all the power. That's obvious. Uh, and I think that's just that's what it, that's what that passage is describing is that he has the power. Who are you? Who are who are you? A, you know, human. <laughs> yeah. And the, the thing he does is like he says, you try to be the God. You try to like, could you be God? No. Right. Could you <laughs> could you lash? Could you? Yeah. With fish hooks and harpoons control the Leviathan? No, mm-hmm. no, you wouldn't even have as a chance. As soon as you touch him, you would be like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, like what that's exactly what it says. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, that's what it says. But uh, what Jung is saying that uh, Jung kind of takes a Jung takes a a an aggressive stance towards yeah. God in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, he's saying that God is confused himself um, in, in, in the, in the sense unconscious of like, ant- authority is this. right. Unconscious. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's the idea of the antimony. Um, so if God is all, be- is, is everything mm-hmm. omniscient and omnipotent, then it is the um, embodiment of, he's trying to make a dualistic argument to God that it's mm-hmm. the embodiment of all good and of all evil. And that he's trying to, he's trying to pry that out of the book of Job. I don't think it's there. I disagree. Um, 
obviously God does contain everything, you know, because it's omnipotence. Obviously, he contains everything. But I I don't think that there's a dualistic nature to the God of our universe. I don't think that he is as much evil as he is of good. I think he's a perfect good being. But I I don't know. I feel like in. Which comes to the question of suffering, which comes to the problem of evil and the problem of suffering. mm -hmm. Um, I think that. Um, what Jung is trying to do is sort of like an exact accounting of each individual action within the story in sort of a scientific way, in a psychoanalytic way, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's what he is. That's his perspective. Mm-hmm. Or like or if, you know, today someone in a modern college class was trying to do an ethical question. You know, the professor says, what is the is this right or wrong? Is this ethical or not? You know. Then the students would break down every little thing and say, okay, well, this and then this compared against this. Is this ethical or not? Blah, blah, blah. That's not the point of the book of Job. The book of Job is about the obedience and hierarchy. Um, the thing, yeah, I think it is about obedience and hierarchy, but I think it's like Jung's point is, I guess I'll just kind of start with what yeah, I, please. what I believe. So, you know, we tend to think, or the, you know, the Christian idea is God is good. God is going to reward the good, punish the bad people, bad behavior. Um, but, um, and like, but that doesn't always happen. And it's, I think to, to just kind of surrender to what is, or like to God, you could say that is the best, like, even if you don't believe in God, that is the most practical thing to do. There's nothing, there's some things you can do nothing about. And, you know, like, for example, like Alcoholics Anonymous, that's so successful, I think, because people, even if they don't believe in God, they're like, they like literally force you to like say, okay, what's your higher power can be like literally anything you want. (laughs) Just like have something above you. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you believe in? Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then the, the kind of creed, I guess you could call it of alcoholics anonymous is like, and like the other anonymous things too, I think is like, accept the things you cannot change, change Mm -hmm. the things you can or something Mm -hmm. in the wisdom and like God grant me the, Mm-hmm. Uh, to change to know the, the wisdom to know the difference know the difference between things I can and cannot change yeah mm-hmm. um, and but it's about an ordering that the, the point of that is about an ordering mm-hmm. to put to, to you know that you have to have a higher supreme being or a, a some at least some not maybe not necessarily even a supreme being but a being above you something above you society or I don't know the idea of your community or anything because there's orders to you know there's there's orders to existence there's I mean even even we have to yield to mother nature's power to nature you know mm-hmm. and that is creation that is created by god that isn't you know that <laughs> Yeah so I wanted to ask you about that so I mm-hmm. remember we talked like a few like a year or two ago about like I was like we were talking about the idea of god and I was like so like this river like does he just like make the laws of nature and then he's just like, go. And then they're just like, okay, we're going now. And it's like, what, um, is it, is it like in your mind, is it like 
God kind of sets the gears in motion, kind of kind of steps back and looks at it, and if he needs to adjust anything, he will. But like, not very, not often. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I I when I was younger, I you know when we were you know back in the day when we were younger, we were really into reading about like the revolution and the founding fathers and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And those guys were almost all deists. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, some of them were like, you know, strictly religious, um, but a lot of them were deists. Um, and that's, and you know, the kind of, uh, uh, like Jefferson, um, I think he was, um, a fan of the idea of the clockmaker, the architect of the universe, um, the God, the God created the universe. Um, and, but yeah, kind of step back and let things run. He created the laws of the universe and then it kind of goes, I would I think there's something to that perspective. I do. Th- I mean, obviously God created the laws of the universe and then that does the create the order of nature and creation. Um, but that I think that it's not like a cold, like it's not like when you make a, if you know, you went into your garage and built a birdhouse and then you left it out in the forest somewhere and never saw it again for the rest of your existence. You know what I mean? I don't think it's like that. I don't, I don't think know it's why like, you would do that, but okay. Bird charity. <laughs> yeah. Bird charity. I don't know why you would do that either. Exactly. But, but you know, even like the clock maker, I don't know what you wouldn't, I don't think it's like you made the clock and it functions and you just set it up on the wall and it runs forever. And you don't, you know, maybe sometimes you gotta, like you said, mm-hmm. wind up the, mechanisms or whatever mm-hmm. um i don't think it's like that either i think that that it's god made creation but i think within creation there is always the essence of god remaining within it i think that there's i think the holy spirit sort of is always flowing through the world yeah like in all a, places and all times uh, thomas aquinas um says it's he says that something like every being uh, has God flowing through it just as light passes through air. I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. I, 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 I think it's a continual connection. It's not like a, it's not like a laser shot from one end of the universe to the other. And then, you know, it, which is a terminant thing, you know, I think it's like, a. uh, it, it's a radio signal that's constantly being projected or so, you know, I think that's a better analogy that it's always having a scent and it's always having a reception, you know, that there's a constant flow of connection between everything uh, in the universe, connecting back to God. Um, so back to the problem of evil, like what, mm-hmm. like how does, how does stuff like cancer and child death and, you know, like, uh, yeah, war, I mean, so that, blah, blah, blah. That, that is the problem <laughs> of evil I, I, to summarize like, that. Let's just okay. Let but I, like um, let's start with like diseases, like things that mm-hmm. you like actually can't control. Because war is like someone's mm-hmm. decision. You could mm-hmm. argue, you know. So like, what would you say mm-hmm. to like diseases and you know just things that are kind of uncontrollable like that? So okay, well let me let me just lay out. So the, there's this concept in in philosophy and mm-hmm. theology called the problem of evil. Yeah. Um, and it's the idea that um. It's recon- reconciling the idea that if there is an omnipotent, omnibenevolent, and, and omniscient God, the existence of evil and suffering in the world makes no sense. Because if he's omnipotent, well, then he has the ability to remove evil from the universe, but chooses not to, which would make the omnibenevolence impossible. Um, and if he's omnibenevolent, but there's still evil in the universe, that means he's not omnipotent. Um, it, it is typically how the question is framed. Do you, do you agree with that? 
Yeah, yeah. That they're contradictory terms. If he's omnipotent and has all power, then he can do whatever he wants. Um, you know, so nothing can be against his will. So obviously evil being in the universe is within his will. Um, that's when, you know, people will bring that a lot of times atheists will bring that up as an argument against the existence of God. Um, I don't think it's that strong of an argument, um, but I do think suffering has a place in a universe that is overseen by a benevolent, omnibenevolent, omni, um, potent God. Um, my, okay. So disease, like he, that's the point you brought up. Um, well, let me, let me take one step back. So, you know, sin, obviously, you know, with Adam and Eve, um, there was no sin yet. Um, and then when they ate from the tree of, uh, the knowledge of good and evil, that was a sin because they were disobedient to God. That action in and of itself was a sin. Um, and then sin entered into the, into creation from that moment. Um, and then that's when we have all the curses of man. That's where we have the afflictions of reality, uh, our physical reality. We have disease and death and suffering and, um, and all of that. Uh, I think the thing to remember though, is that it is all a consequence of original sin. Um, even non, uh, individually afflicted evils like disease. Um, I would, I would make the argument that they all are derived from original sin, um, and the, you know, destruction of our purified forms as humanity. Um, so disease, I mean, that's the, it is sort of a mystery, but if God is omnipotent, then I can easily just as easily make the argument, well, God is omnipotent. Um, if, if this is suffering is existing at, at uh, there's no reason that God could not, be turning this into a greater good or a good um, in our human. Uh, do you, do you agree with that? That that is a logical statement. That God will do evil things for the greater good. No, no that. Okay. So if there is an evil in the world, like suffering or, mm. you know, disease, a child suffering from a disease that they had no, nothing to do with, with their actions. Um, and even maybe their parents had nothing to do with, with their actions. Um, innocence, I guess what I'm, my point is that they didn't do anything to deserve this. Everyone knows that good things happen to bad people. Mm. Um, where we're from, there was a terrible landslide that just like completely came out of the mountain, yeah, wiped out. Yeah, Oso, Oso, Washington. It was a horrible tragedy. Massive, massive mudslide came down and killed, I want to say 30 plus people. It was terrible. Um, tiny little town, like everyone in the town was horribly affected by it. Um, uh, it was awful. Um, you know, none of those people in the town really did anything to deserve that, obviously. Uh, I think there was an argument to be made that the logging company that was that's irrelevant. But yeah, my point yeah. is good things happen to bad or bad things happen to good people that don't deserve it. That's that's everyone agrees on that. My point is, is that if God is omnipotent, so that's my first logical premise. God is omnipotent. Um, the third premise would be there is suffering in the, in the world, a disease with a, a child with a, disease, with a disease. God is omnipotent. A child could have a disease. If God is omnipotent, it's within his power that that could be turned to something good. So that's my sequence of logical statements. Would you agree that that's a logical statement? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, the, you don't have to agree. The, the possibility. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, because definitely. he's omnipotent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. You don't have to agree with that, but I'm just saying, is that a logical sequence oh, yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. ideas? Um, okay. So if you're following that, yeah, we might not know why, uh, 
it, you know, it could be mysterious to us in our individual lives, just like Job's condition was mysterious to him. Um, but that's not kind of the point for us as human beings and our place in the universe. Um, we suffer because we sinned. Um, you know what I mean? I don't think that the problem of evil, uh, is enough of a problem. (laughs) I don't think it's that big of a problem. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the problem of evil? Um, I mean, like I kind of alluded to before, I think that, um, you know, when bad things happen, uh, to me or whatever, it's just, it feels like the, the best thing to do is accept it and kind of, it, kind of trust in God or trust in the universe mm-hmm. that Spinozist scum. <laughs> um, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, trust in God that, that that's going to turn out for the best. Um, even if you die from it, I think there others can learn from you. Stuff like that. I mean, Plato has this line: "Necessity is the mother of invention." Mm-hmm. And I feel like you could replace necessity with suffering. Yeah, say suffering is the mother of invention. Because no, like, that's that's a good point. Because um, like uh, someone asked me recently. Or like I kind of misinterpreted the question, but uh, but I thought someone asked me like hypothetically like if you could go back two hours at any time in your life, like when would it be? And I was thinking, oh, to like kill something I regret or something, right? And um, they mm-hmm. meant something else, but uh, and I was <laughs> like, I was like, no, I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't change anything. You know, mm-hmm. kind of for time travel reasons, mm-hmm. um, right? Because you, you know, don't know what it, you don't know what yeah. you're going to create but, in that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. But it's like blah blah blah. Who like what happened to me in the past? Like det- helps determine who I am right now and who I will oh, yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm pretty happy with that. Who I am, um, I think everyone should be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know that that is what starts self-improvement and Mm -hmm. uh, you have to, you have to respect yourself as a person, as a human being. Like a lot of times people can give advice to other people way more saliently and clearly and to their benefit than the people can to themselves. mm -hmm. Um, cause people are so clouded by themselves. I, I, it's like that thing where you, uh, okay. Like you and me, I don't know exactly what your opinion of me is, but you probably think I'm all right. We've been friends for a long time. <laughs> uh, and I've done better in the last few years. I think that comes with age and wisdom. Um, when I was younger though, I just, uh, loathed myself completely mm-hmm. yeah. hated myself, hated everything about myself. Like nothing. I, I couldn't even come up with a, uh, I couldn't come up with anything. Uh, you know, it was like the things I was kind of liked about myself. I felt like I was just lucky to have, you know? Um, but I think that is a consequence of the fact that we are with ourselves 24 seven and we know every single one of our own shortcomings. We know every time we said, Oh, I'm going to do that. I promise myself I'm going to do that. And then we mm-hmm. break that promise. When you promise your friend something and you break that promise, they remember that and it's not a good point between you two for, you know, for at least a while, unless it's minor and then you mm-hmm. forget or whatever. But if it's like something you promised, I'll be there. And then you weren't, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that can harm a friendship in the long term. Now, if 
human beings, I think we constantly, you know, unless you're somebody that has massively, you know, intact integrity or something. Um, but I think most people don't, um, you're constantly letting yourself down constantly, constantly, constantly letting yourself down. Um, <laughs> and it, and that, that kind of creates like the self-loathing because if your friend if you had someone who was external from you do that you'd be like god they suck <laughs> <laughs> they never follow through on anything they say they're gonna do they always are lying or whatever you know mm-hmm. uh, they're never honest but it, you do that to yourselves constantly and i think that that uh, uh can create a poor self-image in yourself but you have to be kind to yourself as a person yeah um, and um i just want to uh that just reminds me of like just the idea of now we're getting into like self improvement, <laughs> but uh, totally off well, topic. Well, suffering, suffering. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the idea that like you know when you decide to do something, mm-hmm. like I'm gonna become a doctor, I'm gonna become an engineer, blah blah blah. You don't know if you're gonna become like if reality, if your will is gonna mesh with reality to make that mm-hmm. happen. <laughs> Because right. if it doesn't happen. mesh right, it's like it's just not going to happen. Right. Or like anything could happen. Yeah. Right. Anything can happen in the future, basically. Mm-hmm. And like you have to be open to that. And like, okay, like I'm not going to be an engineer. Like I've wanted to be like five different things in my life. Oh, dude. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> I'm all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like, you know, it didn't work out every time. So like I think that, you know, just to work towards something is all we can do mm-hmm. and well, we can't um, we can't predict the future mm-hmm. yeah. and the, how the course of everything will play out we can i just, actually just we can just kind of arrange our lives and like mm-hmm. like a phalanx that can just like into like mm-hmm. the future yeah. you know yeah we, there are little <laughs> things we can do we can like decide what we eat every day and kind of control what happens mm-hmm. with that but then we could get hit by a bus and there goes yeah. our health you know <laughs> yeah. so it's like <laughs> we can control things in as much as we can control things but when the external world wants to put anything on us that we is outside of our control it's outside of our control and that's just the nature of reality um and I, I well, this is kind of a side note. I'll be quick. I recently watched this movie called Mr. Nobody. It was from like 2009. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Um, few years have ago. you seen that? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. great movie. Yeah. I'd never seen it before. Um, but that really hit home the point of like, you can have all the intention that you want for your future. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the kind of the life and the universe is going to do with it with you what you want to. There are times when you make choices and then those take you down different paths than you could have gone before. But it's all just happenstance, really. I mean, it's all just chance and what happens in the universe, or, you know, or it's the will of God and how things play out according to his plan. Um, you know, and that gets into question is questions of destiny versus fate. Um, the pagans, I think, believed in destiny a lot more. Destiny um, and fate are the same thing. Destiny. Okay. Well, yeah. No. Yeah. I guess. Uh, what am I trying to say? Fate um, what's free will or something? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Destiny, fate versus free will. So that's that's a whole different debate. We could have a debate on free will on a whole nother episode. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think that. Uh, I don't think it's all set in stone because I do believe we all. I do. I do believe in that we have free will um, as human beings. Um, and that, you know, that probably messes up the plan even more so. So, you know, it's just, it is just, it's just so complicated when you get into concepts like that. Well, it's like, um, um, so one thing I wanted to talk about, yeah, uh, is, um, so Job's friends, some of his friends basically, they basically say the same thing. They're mm-hmm. like, 
you know, uh, you must have done something to deserve this job. Right. Like, what do you do? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like, um, you, you seem like such a good guy. We know you did something. <laughs> um, and it, the way I think about sin is like, uh, it's kind of in the more practical sense of like, if you sin, you mess up. And that's like the Hebrew and Greek word for sin is missing the mark. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, but the opposite of that, like to do good is to like do actions that are successful, you know, like um, act in a way that will bring you towards your goals. um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, that'll make you, not miserable that'll like kind mm-hmm. of eliminate suffering make you make your life meaningful mm-hmm. and then sin is like the opposite of that like mm-hmm. we do things like do drugs you know kill people blah 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 they just totally screw up your your life um well plato he has that line in the apology uh which is in socrates's mouth um mm-hmm. socrates says in the apology um you know a man could kill you but he's not really killing you. He's not killing your soul because you're, you're, if you're still living right and just, and you know, almost, he's almost making the point that they're not, they're not harming him. They're not killing him because they're not killing his soul because they're not taking his integrity away. Um, you know, I think we have a little bit of a different idea of the mind body connection in Christianity than the pagans did. Um, but which might've been a little bit more focused on, the just the soul being you entirely. Um, whereas I think the concept of I, the self is a combination of the soul and body, the consciousness and body, mm-hmm. um, the body matters, um, more than I think, uh, Socrates thought it did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's to your point is that he was living right to himself. He was living with integrity. Um, and then in Christian teaching, that is, that is kind of the point is that we are the things that we're supposed to do our proper action, our proper, proper action, um, is what we should be doing to do what's right for ourselves. Um, in the proper place of humanity is an elevated position, not a sinful, lowly, um, being that we should be living to our, um, living to our station, uh, you know, that was intended for us mm-hmm. in creation. Yeah. Um, One, let's see. So, like, to add on my point earlier, like when we do was, sin, we're harming ourselves. Yeah, you're harming yourself. And yeah, the thing about um the to bring it back to Job's friends who are arguing that if you do good, you won't be hurt. If you do bad, God will hurt you or kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, that that idea must have come from people just observing that like, Oh, look at these, these people drinking wine all the time. Like the, like their lives are terrible. Like sin is evil. (laughs) Like missing the mark is evil. And like, look at these people. They're really happy. They're doing, they're giving to the poor. They like love their family. They're, uh, you know, happy with their work life and everything. Like they're good, pure good. Mm -hmm. And then, like okay what's of god what's of the devil you know or what's of evil it's like 
what's of good is what makes life meaningful, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then what's evil is the opposite. Right. So I think it well, kind of comes out as utilitarian um, interaction of mistakes versus right action. And that is that that is that is a good point. That is a very good point, because I would generally make the argument that, you know, um, bad things can happen to good people. Good things can happen to bad people. And it's sort of irrelevant based to our actions as far as what happens to us from external forces in the in the universe. Um, But I do think as far as how we live our lives, that if we can live our life more in accordance with how we're supposed to, we will have better lives Mm -hmm. as far as things were, were within our control. Like you're saying, you know, obviously, if you're not a drunk, you're going to have a better life than a drunk. If you're someone who cares for their family, you're going to have a better family life and have more love and joy in your life than somebody who, you know, spurns their family and treats them like crap. Mm-hmm. Um, living more Christ-like will lead to better life, better family, um, a better community, a better country, better nation, and better world. I totally agree with that. Um, if everyone acted, you know, 10% more rightly the world would be 10% more rightly most of the, uh, you know, of the, of the time, obviously there's still going to be acts of God, which is such an interesting phrase. Um, I don't really understand where that comes from. Um, what? like a hurricane is an act of God. Oh, or probably like cause a, like Yahweh was a storm God. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, exactly. But the, they're, they're just sort of things that happen that are outside of the realm of moral uh, questions mm-hmm. as far as humanity is concerned. Um, those things could always happen. Accidents could always happen. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a war could happen and, and good just men could go fight a war against other good just men and many of them could be killed. Um, and they would have all died with their integrity, with their souls intact. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously unless they did something to, to take that away from themselves. Um, but I don't think that, uh, you know, just because they went off and died, that that necessarily is meaning that God is <laughs> the idea that because suffering exists in the universe, because evil exists in the universe, that God wants that to be the case, I think is where the different where where the breaking point is. I don't think that God wants there to be suffering in the universe, but I think that there is suffering in the universe, but he can use it to his his will for the betterment of everything. And I would make the case that suffering does better us. As people, um, there's this Catholic priest. I really, uh, enjoy his lectures named father Ripperker. Um, and he talks about how suffering is the, and, and he even goes as far to say that demonic, um, influence and possession are the, is the, uh, what I forget the word he uses, but sort of the tools of our purification that suffering is how we are pure. Can we be, we can become purified. We can take the suffering and we can offer it up to God. We can, we can bear our own cross. I mean, that's where that concept comes from where, you know, everyone has their burden to carry, carry it with dignity, carry Mm -hmm. it with integrity, carry it with love, you know, as counterintuitive as that might be. I mean, they, his friends, Job's friends are telling him to curse God. His wife is telling him to curse God, but he's taking and bearing up his cross for the lack of a better term. Uh, and offering it up to God. And, you know, in the end, he agrees that it's his rightful place to just submit to the will of God. You know, it's interesting uh, that that reminds me of the quote, even though it's so, like, opposite of what you said in a way, but, like, mm-hmm. the quote of Jesus where he's like, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for my 
yoke is easy and my burden yep. is light. So he's talking mm-hmm. about his yoke that's like on his, like he's an oxen, basically <laughs> an ox. And he has this yoke and, you know, his burden, I guess, is the cross. Uh, or, oh, okay. No, this is interesting. Please uh-huh. finish. But I, because I read that passage entirely differently. Okay. Oh, so, so okay. So he has this, uh, take my yoke upon you. And so like he has a yoke. And he's like, cause my bird and my burden is light. And it's like, you know, he, like, I think it's, it's just like him covering a cover, like him carrying or, uh, what do you call it? Being the lead of a wig, like a covered wagon, like Oregon trail style. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how I imagine it. And then like mm-hmm. the crosses in the back, I guess you could say, um, but how would, how do you interpret it? I took that as, so he's saying my, my yoke place my poke doesn't he say place my yoke upon you my yoke is easy my burden is light the way i took that as yoke yourself to jesus like you're the oxen yeah you're the oxen we are the oxen yeah and jesus is asking very little of us in the grand scheme his yoke his yoke of us is light but his yoke that we so he's carrying the yoke, right? <laughs> yes. Like written in the metaphor. Okay, he's carrying the yoke. Uh-huh. And he's like, hey, uh, no, this yoke is pretty easy. This burden's light. Like, here, take it. Put it on. Yeah, put it on. Carry mm-hmm. it. That's how I take with it. With me, that's or how I take right? it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, going off of that, I keep I keep going away from the mic. Going off of that, um, that uh, I remember hearing the sermon. I remember hearing the sermon where uh, this guy was like, he's like, really, the burden is, he's like, Jesus was saying the burden of getting your hands nailed to the cross and like basically like suffering for him uh, or suffering for him, like the martyrs and, you know, Mm -hmm. people like that. Um, Mm -hmm. That's easy Mm -hmm. to do. And like, like just the idea of that is like, is it easy to do? <laughs> well, like once so you decide, thing, it kind yeah. of is in a way, you know? Yeah. It Well, it puts it into perspective. Like, uh, you know, I talk to people, young people nowadays who don't have much of an education in Christianity or anything. Mm-hmm. And like, I have a family member, a younger family member, um, who I'm close to. And, uh, I was trying to get them to go to confession and, um, I gave them uh, Knights of Columbus, which is a Catholic organization, Catholic men's organization. Um, They have this thing online. You can look it up. It's called a um, examination of conscience. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like, I don't know, a hundred questions or something. And it just asks you like, have you done this sin? Have you done this sin? It's basically (laughs) asking you like every possible sin you could do, you know, so that when you go to confession, you've got a complete confession. Um, it's very useful. That's like, if you think like, what sins that I do, you might not really come to mind everything you've done, you know, but if you actually look at it line by line, like, Oh, have I committed this? Have I stolen? Have I done? And it breaks them down into even more detail than just like the 10 commandment sins and stuff. So it really digs down and gets at you. So I was like, Oh, just like, look at this list and you could just like write it down. You know, I, something I've done a few times, so it's not a big deal to me, but like, she was like, what? <laughs> you can't do anything. You can't do anything. <laughs> like, but the, but the, the thing is, is people have this conception is that you have to then be like perfect. 
but the point of confession is that they know that you've sinned a bunch, so go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not that like, oh, you've sinned a bunch. How dare you come here? You know, like the point of confession is to to offer up your sins and ask for forgiveness. Um, but when somebody who's, you know, maybe uninitiated looks at that thing, like, Oh my gosh, I'm like the worst person ever. I'm sitting all day long every day, you know? Uh, and you know, to them, the yoke might seem hard and heavy. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, like you said, with the right understanding, and if you if you do accept that Jesus Christ is the you know savior and 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 this is the reality it is easy it is an easy yoke we can we make mistakes and sin that's our nature as fallen humans um but that's that's the that's the right perspective that we should have on it is that the yoke is light and I mean that's what Jesus says so obviously <laughs> I agree with it but yeah it is interesting because uh it doesn't seem that way on the face of it, giving, being willing to give up your life with like no question seems like a heavy burden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me try to bring it back to Job mm -hmm. um, or answer the Job. So, so what Jung was saying is that Job kind of was more conscious than God. The Yahweh. That, he, that was a big point of Yahweh. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they was more conscious in Yahweh. And that's so like the, and like he's kind of talking in psychological terms. So like Yahweh would be like kind of a product of human humans. Like that's kind of how he thought about it. Kind of like Joseph Campbell thought that too. Mm -hmm. um, was that like God is in the mind of man. It's an kind archetype. Of thing. Yeah. Psychological. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you could, you know, you can make the argument that archetype has a connection to the divine, mm -hmm. um, which I think it does to, I mean, I just have I a feeling. It it I does. think it almost has to, uh -huh. <laughs> that, the, that these are just purely, purely evolutionary arch like artifacts in our psyche. I don't know. I don't buy it. Um, but so they go on with the summary is so that job was like i'm just not gonna answer like uh and i think he says uh you have asked me like who hides his counsel but that's not what god said he said who darkens my counsel so so uh well you i think you at one point i might just be making this up but i noticed that uh <laughs> when i read job um Jung at one point was like God I lost my train of thought um, oh that it's kind of like a Freudian slip on yeah. Job's part that he's like oh I'm hiding what I think cause like mm -hmm. I don't want to anger God anymore right <laughs> um, right and then um so basically he want to fully say what he thinks and then so the answer that God had to Job is Jesus Christ on the cross that's what um he he, he uh so kind of like oh God isn't as conscious as he should man. be that's man so God must become man therefore what do you think of that argument? <clears throat> well, that's the, yeah. So that's the thing is I felt like in the initial arguments that Jung is making is I was like, well, he's completely failing to take into account the entire Christian story here because you can't, 
you can't remove the crucifixion and the in you know the incarnation from this perspective which it seemed like he was trying to do like he's trying to frame it in this just like god job thing but failing to tie in um failing to tie in jesus you know in the crucifixion um because time you know time for us is linear it has a beginning and it'll have an end um and you know events occur in an you know point a to point b to point b point c fashion you know um but for god all time is you know not linear he's with outside of time so all these things have occurred at once they still have to transpire in a linear fashion because that's the nature of time um but for him they are all at once for god they're all at once oh okay. yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. So God is outside of time. Mm-hmm. Right. So this idea, like, I feel like he was trying to make an argument that there's some sort of like evolution. And he, he says that pretty explicitly in the answer to Job. He's talking about how like, oh, well, we can't apply modern ethics to ancient ethics and stuff like that, you know. Um, but I would disagree with that. I think that he's trying to take a linear examination of God, but God doesn't have a linear perspective of time. I mean, and I do, I do think he's failing to take into account the New Testament and the crucifixion, um, like you were saying. Yeah, I don't think Young would subscribe to that um, view. Like, you know, I think it's pretty obvious. He, of time. Yeah, I mean, I think he would just say, I mean, as I would say, I think that's unknowable. That I mean, like, definitely, I think that time, in a sense, is an illusion and like it just a dimension that's like physical um mm-hmm. for sure uh or yeah that in, in in the sense that is a religious like <clears throat> assertion it just feels right though <laughs> what? like What's time that? and space are fake <laughs> you know like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just dimensions just like you know like the third dimension is like or like the um like a two-dimensional object just kind of like a fake thing from mm-hmm. our perspective right um, right it just kind of like intuitively makes sense or like mm-hmm. even logically in a in a weird way um but uh the um well because yeah, so, young oh i'm sorry go ahead so he's talking historically um which is <laughs> which is true uh but his <laughs> idea like you recognize that his argument right like that his idea is that the idea of God is developing. Right. Um, which is what I, which is what I'm disagreeing with, mm-hmm. which is where I, my, my, uh, what I'm asserting is about, about time is that what Jung is failing to take into account. Um, and he, he asserts that God, um, well, he asserts that God is contradictory to himself. Um, in mm-hmm. one passage specifically, he's talking about like the antimony, which, you know, some people might, uh, if you imagine like the yin yang, the mm-hmm. concept of yin and yang, the symbol, uh, that everyone knows, um, it's kind of that swirling circle, um, of light and dark. He's trying to make this sort of argument that, uh, Joe, the, whoever wrote Job or the book of Job is actually describing God as having an antimonious nature as being sort of a yin and yang type God more than a unified God as far as Christianity understands God to be, um, like God could be confused, 
uh, that God could argue against God, that God could be conflicted with God, that God would fight with himself. Uh, it's just, it seems, it just doesn't make sense to me. I'll be honest that, that part of that, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm just not understanding it, but I think uh, the only thing that I could think is that he has, has an improper perspective of, of what God is. So he tends to, so his thing is like, why would God let the Satan, which is a part of himself in a way, because it's part of the heavenly hierarchy. Are we then a part of God by that same standard? According to you? Um, or what do you mean? Well, both. Oh, I see you, what you're saying. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you asserted he, that Satan is of God or, you know, that is almost the same as God because he exists. The Satan. We're not talking about. This is the adversarial. Yeah, the Satan. Of God. Satan. Lucifer. I don't know, because I don't know if that's like, that's what. Okay. So, oh, OK. I get what you're saying. I, that's how I take it. Yeah. So, oh, OK. So he's saying the antimonious, like the antimony of the Yahweh is the Satan, but they are in a one God mm-hmm. sort of a. OK. OK. I get what he's saying a little bit more, but I, I mean, the, I completely disagree with and that. And the but. Old Testament, it's like God, like literally like kills people seemingly mm-hmm. for no reason. Um, mm-hmm. Like a lot, like a lot. <laughs> uh, okay. Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, but that was kind of for a reason, like Sodom at least was because they wanted to rape some angels. Um, <laughs> well, like and it was city. like completely full of sin and evil, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it, 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 does God ever just say, I've picked you person to die for no fucking reason whatsoever. Well, I, I don't think that, are, I don't think that exists. There are I don't like, think there is a and case then of that. God came and killed 180,000 Philistines from the camp. <laughs> right. The but why? But like they were at war with the Israelites. Mm-hmm. But like to so, kill that many of them just seems like like there are just a bunch of questions of that. Like God what? completely wiped the world of humanity at one time. <laughs> yeah. Like why? <laughs> well, because we were he wanted to <laughs> wanted a reset, a restart. Well, that's, I, he, so that's another point with Jung as he's like, he's like, why did why did God create these beings who he knew he must have known would defy him? And like, why is he always <laughs> upset? after they defy him well it's like a child when you tell a child to do something and you know they're probably not going to do it it kind of causes you pain as a parent i'm sure you know you're telling them what is right you're teaching them correctly you're telling them what you're giving them right teaching you know don't touch a hot stove don't touch a hot stove but if your kid has that personality where they just have to find out for themselves you probably know they're going to do it doesn't mean you're not going to like leave take the oven out of the house you know, you're still going to let them take their action and, and learn. But what about God is God is described as a father. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do this without arguing against Christianity, which is not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying no, to like no. <laughs> understand. Yeah, uh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Well, I, I think that it's it, in the end. I mean, God wants us back to Eden. God wants us back to being redeemed. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, that's the, obviously he sent, you know, he sent his only begotten son to be crucified and, and, you know, to defeat death and, and, you know, for the redemption of humanity. So obviously, you know, the curve of the universe 
bends towards humanity's redemption. You know, that's, that's the plan. Um, maybe we need to go through this trial and tribulation to actually reach the state that is intended of us. Um, you mean like in the old Testament? What do you mean? Yeah. Well, just the entire story of humanity from beginning to end. Um, I, I, I would think that, you know, Noah, when he decided to wipe the world clean and continue humanity with only the children of Noah, um, that, which is Seth, the line of Seth, Mm -hmm. um, chose to continue humanity only along the line of Seth, um, was because, you know, if we had the line of Cain still in the world, just think of how far from redemption we would possibly be. But what, okay, so why wouldn't God consult his omniscience like, like Jung alluded to, or, you know, he asked, <laughs> he questioned that fact? Well, yeah, but the, just because you know something is going to happen, what you can't let it still happen? Because you, we have free will. Free will is a, a thing you're not taking into account here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably the. Because okay, yeah, God made humans. He made humans. He desired us to be what we are. Obviously, that's how he made us. So then. If we did commit sin and then fall into sin and then have to go through this entire story of humanity, um, eventually to the crucifixion, and then, you know, con- even still today, continually finding our salvation and, you know, until a second coming and the redemption of the world, it, you know, that was our choice, you know, <laughs> it wasn't God's choice. He made us as he wanted us. We chose to go this route. And along the way, he's helping us. I mean, imagine if the sons of Cain were still in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the sons of Seth would then have been completely corrupted. We would have lost the spark of Adam entirely. Because that's the idea is that the 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 spark of goodness that, that was in Adam still remained in the sons of Seth. OK. Yeah, it's. It's hard to discuss that. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Um, uh, this is my argument. That, no, so, I understand. You know, I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is okay. So I have some questions for you. Yeah. Um. Really quickly, formula uh-huh. you're gonna say. Sure. Uh, um, I dug up some Chesterton. Okay. On Job, um, just because oh. I always want to hear what he's got to say yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said that, uh, specifically talking about the book of Job, he says that um, uh, what people fail to take into account is that the main idea of the Old Testament is this is the quote: "All men being merely the instruments of a higher power." Wait, say that again. That all men mm-hmm. are merely the instruments of God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The tools of God. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a man and I have an axe and a saw in my shed, I should use them until they're broken or use them in however way I please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the idea of the Old Testament. Hmm. Rightful yeah. order. Oh, yeah. That's um, interesting. And then he says, uh, and then he says another thing here in this book, the book of Job, the question is asked whether God invariably punishes vice with terrestrial punishment and virtue with terrestrial prosperity that that is the 
secondary question ask. He, he goes on to say something else, but um, I thought that was kind of the, he's saying the main, almost the, the, pretty much the main point is the question, does God, God punish vice with terrestrial punishment and reward virtue with terrestrial prosperity on earth specifically? Um, and he was saying that if the Jews, the Hebrews had answered that question wrongly, they would have fallen to calamity many times, but he thinks with the book of Job, they answered it correctly. And that that correct answer is, that God does not invariably reward vice with punishment and mm-hmm. virtue with reward. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So that was Chesterton on Job a little bit. He, he said some more stuff, but uh, that, those are the bits that I wanted to pick out uh, that seemed relevant to what we were talking about. Um, he does also talk about this idea that um, – uh, and other people have talked about this too, is that in modern modernity, we have the the disease of individuality, you know, where we think, Oh, I'm me. I'm so important. And then, you know, uh, 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 you know, individual, then I'm a member of a tribe or a group family, uh, or I'm I'm a person, then a family, then a tribe or a, then a nation, then, you know, then humanity. Right. But the proper way to view the old Testament is, Humanity, then nations, then families, then the person. That it's the it, they, we have the order of operations mm-hmm. incorrectly. <laughs> so taking it from an individualist perspective um, is just you're not going to understand what's going on. It won't make sense. Why did God kill 180,000 Philistines? Well, because he was killing the Philistines, <laughs> not 180,000 individuals. You know, when he flooded the world and killed who who knows how many billions or trillions of people existed at that time or whatever, <laughs> he was eliminating Cain from the world, not seven billion individual people or whatever, however many people lived in the world before the flood. You know, um, that, I think that's the way to look at it. And if you try to take it from this modern psychoanalytic, ethical, scientific perspective, you're just going to like twist yourself in knots, which is kind of what I think what Jung was doing. And I think that they, they, you can't, uh, not to say it is scripture, obviously. So I think that it's due a, a different level of understanding, but like Aesop's fables, um, the gods and the beings and all that, like they do all kinds of wacky stuff. But the point is the moral of the story, not like the individual actions within the story. Um, and I think that's kind of how you have to look at Job. It's the point of the story that matters. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you I were going to ask me. You were going to ask me some questions. Is yeah, what you were, you I just said. had. Okay, well, I guess we'll just start with this. This is probably like a yes or no question. Yeah. But um, Maybe. so, so Jung <laughs> says Mary didn't have original sin, or like he was saying something like that. Is that? Is that what Catholics believe? Yep, immaculate conception. No, well, like, yeah, but she no. didn't have original sin. Mary, wow. Mary. The, so you've heard the phrase immaculate conception? Yeah, that's about Mary, not Jesus. It's a, okay. it's very mis, it's a wide misconception. Okay, what's um, the mean? And I think it's because we live in a major majority Protestant country. Why it's so confused? Um, so it's the idea that the redemption. Again, for God, time is nonlinear, right? So for Jesus to be born into the world, he would be born, obviously, in an, in a pure vessel, mm-hmm. Mary. 
So Mary was born without original sin. Yes. But she's the land of Adam. How would that? How does no, that okay. mix with yes. that? No, yes, yes. Yeah, she is the line of Adam mm-hmm. and Eve, as we all are. But the point is, is that the, 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 the crucifixion, if time is nonlinear, the crucifixion already happened. For Mary only. It's an individual salvation. Mm-hmm. She was already saved before. Wasn't um, that kind of a recent thing? Like in, I think Jung might have talked about it a little bit, like in 1950 or something. It was it was officially codified okay. in in a papal bull in like the 50s or 1850s or something. Okay, um, but it was widely accepted theology for a long, long time. Oh, okay. like Aquinas would have believed that everyone would have. That's that's not a um, like a point of debate or anything. Oh, okay. At least among Catholics, yeah. Okay, there are people who are like what. <laughs> It doesn't make sense, you know, but I think it's just there's there's a way more in-depth explanations that I could offer right now that I would have, you know, I'd have to look into. Um, but it's basically the idea that um, and uh, uh, I'm sure Jonathan Pajot has would have something to say on this, but I know that there are people, theologian, Catholic theologians who have written about how, at least symbolically, um, Jesus is the redeemer of the male in Adam and Mary being the redeemer of the female in Eve. Oh. Um. Yeah, it seems like there should be a feminine femininity to God in a way. Just like, I mean, in the answer to Job, he talks about the goddess, or I don't know if he calls her a goddess, but wisdom mm-hmm. with a capital W is mentioned a few times in the Bible. And I think it might have been some kind of, I always think that, <laughs> but some kind of old, like, earth goddess or something that, uh, like, used like was, like, associated with Job. Mm-hmm. I mean, with, uh, with Yahweh. Right. Is that, like, Athena? Like an Athena oh, yeah. equivalent? Yeah, maybe. Something like that. Yeah. Um. But, uh, oh, yeah, well, um, and that was another interesting thing. He was saying this kind of off topic, but uh, the Yahweh versus Zeus. Remember we were talking about how, like, oh, they're like, you were like, oh, they're kind of like the same thing. But Jung brings uh, an interesting distinction. He does, he does, yeah. Which Yahweh is, like, very concerned with, like, man and, like, that he should be worshiping him and doing what is right, whereas Zeus is like, just don't screw up the order of creation and the hierarchy, uh, which is, I guess, a little different than Greek. It's kind of the same in, in, a, in a weird way, but Zeus is, is kind really of like... Is true, though? Because there's, like, lots of stories about Zeus, Zeus, like, going around and, like, raping women, <laughs> like, getting involved in the universe. Like, he's, he's, like, always running around doing stuff, you know? Yeah, but it's never for, like, a moral reason. It's usually, like, oh, are you, like... I guess he does have commandments in a way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, this is what, like, you know, I'm going to strike you with lightning if you, like, try to do something that is anti-reality or, like, something mm-hmm. like that. Well, isn't, um, I mean, don't, don't they even strike, doesn't even strike down someone who has too much pride 
and like thinks themselves equal to the gods. I think it's a is it Orion? I don't know. I, can't I don't know my Greek, Greek mythology nuts. enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I was like, is that really true? I mean, I'm sure Young is more well read on Zeus than I am, but I, uh, <laughs> I, it's like I know though that there's lots of stories where Zeus is meddling with things, um, and if you look at parallels to Zeus, like Wotan, Wotan is always involved in running around and doing things too. So I don't know, it, um, it, like comparative religion, you know, they're essentially the same figure. Um, uh, you know, combined with like Thor. Uh, so I don't know if I take that comparison as too worthwhile. Um, okay. So I thought it was really interesting when Jung was saying that, you know, maybe Christ was just completely possessed by an archetype. Um, and that archetype, I guess, would be the, you know, the savior, um, or, um, as he argues in another point in another book, uh, the self, the archetype of the self, which is kind of like, he doesn't, I don't, I don't think he defines it very well. (laughs) He's kind of all over the place in a lot of ways. Um, but, uh, basically the union of the, the ideal union of the conscious and unconscious minds would be like the archetype of the self. So the Mm -hmm. self, so the consciousness, so the ego consciousness kind of goes into the unknown, which is the unconscious and brings back what's useful and kind of integrates the two modes of being, being, Mm -hmm. uh, together. But um, another, so this quote that um, I'm going to try and tie in a few ideas together and hopefully it makes sense. Um, But so he says at one point, the idea of um, all opposites are of God. Um, And his argument is they bring conflict to the surface of consciousness so the conflicts can be resolved. And so that is kind of like, you know, it's like the the idea of martyrdom, where it's like the martyr is tested. He could go the other way at any time. He or she could go the the other way at any time and just say like, no, I renounce Jesus. And then they'd be like, okay, you get to live. But then their, you know, their soul is dead or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, so there's like two, you know, there's like, it's like the idea that evil and good are like cutting across through the heart of man. Um, and, uh, with Solzhenitsyn said something like that, like, like God and the devil are like within the heart of man and like, it's his ability to decide and, or it's his choice to decide and then he kind of ties into politics like the world and like at at this time communism capitalism were like the two Mm -hmm. um opposing forces in the world political forces and the conflict being kind of the result of not being able to integrate the other um like the other good points that the each side had into 
a holistic system. Mm-hmm. Um, I would make the quick little point there that the church has always been opposed to pure capitalism and pure communism. <laughs> um, and uh, what? Okay, so there's that idea. Bring the surface of consciousness, and then there's so this other idea that, um, and this is an ion in the chapter called Christ, a symbol of the self, where it's hard to give context to this, but um, <laughs> and you gotta love you gotta love the German to English translations. They're always <laughs> they're always like uh, they're probably great translations, but German English translations just are not the best. <laughs> I think. Something about, oh, we'll talk about this in a second, but mm-hmm. let me just get this idea across. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the quote. Christ is the perfect man who is crucified. One could hardly think of a truer picture of the goal of ethical endeavor. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, so it's like that. the per like, even if you're, you think of yourself as perfect, like, um, the self-sacrifice is the completing yeah. aspect of it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, cause there's really no higher, um, there's really no higher act a person can do than completely giving their life for another person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Jesus says in John, um, no greater deed can a person do than to give his life for his friends? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> it's like, I'm so, with that. <laughs> yeah. But it's true though. I mean, could you come up with something that is better? No, you can give and that's good. You can help mm-hmm. and that's good, but there's no greater gift than your own life. Cause it's the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. And for God himself to become man incarnate and sacrifice himself. I mean, I don't think there's antimony there. I, I, I just don't see well, this. It's, it's genius. Yang it's there. genius in a way. Cause, uh, um, I think Jung's wrong. And the and cause he says at some point at one point that, uh, God is only appeased by sacrificing a perfect man. And it's like, that's, but it's like you, that's not what he did. He sacrificed, himself a, a man and a full full man and a full god in one mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. um and they shared the sacrifice mm-hmm. and that's like the mystery or whatever yeah um, yeah yeah and i totally 100 percent don't argue with the fact that there are just mysteries that we probably will never know the answer to until we're dead or maybe <laughs> even then maybe not you know who knows what our place in you know in the afterlife really is yeah. Um, so I wanted to go on to uh, he kind of makes a segue into um, you know, first of all, he makes an assumption that whoever wrote first John, second John, and third John, which are letters in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Which uh, this guy John wrote, you know, you know, uh, yeah, John. Just, 
you know john the yeah, one john, john. <laughs> yeah just just john <laughs> um mm-hmm. and he he thinks that or he he makes the assumption that the author of revelation is the same person who wrote those letters um, is that a fairly widely accepted theory i don't think it is oh okay um like like bart Ehrman, for example oh i don't would i know you don't trust don't. but no <laughs> I don't but like he, bart Ehrman. so he said so he says that the so the letters of john are very are in style they're very close to the gospel of john so there's more of an argument that oh, that's what it's I was the thinking same of. Okay. person. But what Bart Ehrman says is, which is, um, we're not even really talking about the Gospel of John, but just to like mm-hmm. kind of wrap your Put head it around context. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he says that, th- this is in his book, Heaven and Hell, recent book, um, that the author of Revelation um compared to the author of John, the gospel of John, it's like comparing like the highest literature possible, which is John Mm -hmm. with like something. I think he's like something, a sophomore, you know, in a writing class would write, (laughs) which is what the style, which is what revelation Mm -hmm. it's like, it's kind of like, well, revelation seems very like, uh, Ulysses stream of consciousness. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. James Joyce. Like it's very like image in mind to the best words in the moment that could come yeah. up with on paper. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, let me just get this out. Uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. tweaking and out like here. Very yeah. like well-planned and like, mm-hmm. like it's honestly, I think it's the best book it's ever been written. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> right. But right. Uh, uh, we can wow. talk about that. Uh, John that says a lot though. That's, that's very interesting. That says a lot, man. Mm hmm. Like, um, this is, uh, kind of the context, but, uh, I recently found out that Christopher Hitchens thought that literature should be like the religion or whatever, not like, like great literature is the foundation for spiritual spiritualism or something like something along the lines of that. I'm explaining that really badly, but mm-hmm. you know, well, it is very spiritual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. any and good like, art is inherently spiritual mm-hmm. yeah and that's what like i think i heard jordan peterson talk about it talk about him and he's like said basically that so mm-hmm. um it's like how can you not how can you have literature without the religious feeling and blah mm-hmm. blah blah and like literally like they thought the world was going to end like tomorrow <laughs> you know like, right right, you know, right, they, right. They thought the end was near just like jesus said mm-hmm. so they're like yep. okay gotta get this written so people can can uh know as soon as you, possible. Yeah, no, as soon as right. possible, and they can convert and be saved, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a big motivation, and we can talk about um, that in another episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, get to this question. So do you think the gospel of love that John talks about in his letters, um, is that in line with Christianity? It, it feels like it's not like strictly true that like god is just love could you explain uh refresh me on the concept yeah so john is like literally says god is love that's where we get that quote i'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. is from one of his letters Mm -hmm. and he's like there's nothing bad in god um and 
Jung is arguing that according to John, um, it's like there's just like it's almost like evil doesn't exist to him <laughs> in a weird way. Like uh, to John, to the to the letter John, mm-hmm. letter writing John, mm-hmm. um, and that. Uh, like he's just kind of shut out this possibility of I mean according to Jung it's like just this possibility that God can be evil to any extent or like that he can do any act that seems evil at the very least you know if you wanted to you know get theological with it okay I'm following so right 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 so um no, but I think I would agree with John's perspective much more so than I would agree with Jung's perspective that I would. Yeah, of course, I would lean to the fact that God wouldn't do anything evil. Um, like I said, I don't think the permitting of evil to occur in the universe is uh, the same as him doing evil either. Um, and I think that's an important distinction uh, because evil extends from our sin, our humanity sin um the ails and suffering of us extend from our actions not from god's actions and so I, yeah i think that that idea is totally fine that god is love and i mean love love i think does encap the I, the concept of love that everybody understands i think does encapsulate the idea of god more than anything else as far as being able to put it into human words mm-hmm. um you know, holiness, this, this, the Holy Spirit, the idea of, um, you know, the, the wholeness of God, you know, the trueness, but love encapsulates it. You know, if you have a relationship between two people and it is full of love, you have all of those things necessarily. You have truth between each other. You have communication, compassion, um, sympathy, empathy, all of those things, you know in their purest form like unconditional love you know that to even take it to a higher level um i just any god that would create a universe to share an existence with us just on that face alone makes me think that that is true i'm sorry say that again well just just like on the face of it the fact that like there is a god created universe um so that we can share an existence and like commune with each other and how is that communion it's through the love it's through love you know so uh, you know the fact that that was the intention of god i think partially i mean you know it's just it makes sense what else would it be for um it it, it requires that god is you know, love incarnate. But how do you square that with something like the flood or something like revelation? Like that's what, um, Jung is kind of confused about. Well, that, and I would go back to my individuality to humanity as a whole argument. I don't think that looking at it as, Oh, he killed all these individual people. All those individual people were killed and died, but it's not, it's not the right way of, it's not the right perspective. Humanity, man, is the perspective to take on it. Man has not perished from the earth. Man has not died. Man has been saved from death through the self-sacrifice of God to God. Mm 
man as you know what I mean capital M man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the Young's he wants to make it individualistic and individualism is worthless <laughs> Individualism is only valuable to us individually. It, outside of that, it really has no value whatsoever. Even as in so much as like in, in dealing with somebody on the street, who you, that you're the member of your family, what family you're from is probably more important than you yourself. You know, in our super modern world where we're super atomized and, and individualized, yeah, it matters more. But through all of human history and time, that's not the concept that people had. Um, I mean, just even in medieval times, I mean, people knew people more by their last name than their first name or even their clan more than their individual surname, you know? Yeah. So why? Um, I don't know if that's see. satisfactory, but that's that's when that's my best attempt. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me try to think. Um, so the this. So what do you think that revelation was then? Like, um, you know, clearly this, like, I'm pretty, pretty sure that this, someone experienced, someone named Mm -hmm. John experienced, uh, some kind of thing and he wrote it down and maybe it was modified or whatever, but. Do we um, know what the, what the name John would have been? The actual name would have been just like, I mean, Jesus was Yeshua in his like the people around him would have called him Yeshua. Do we know what the um Yeshua equivalent of John is? Just out of curiosity. Well in Greek I think it's like Ioannis or something. Mm. Johan. Johannes mm-hmm. or something Ian. like that. Johannein. Johannein. You know have you seen that Johannein is like John Mm, no, I don't like the know. Jo- Johannine letters. I, I, that's probably not how you pronounce that well, word. Yo- but Johann, yeah. I mean, all those names are derivation of John. Yo- Johann, Ian is the Irish equivalent of John. Mm. Um, uh, uh, Juan, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, what is it in? Uh, what is it in Italian? Um, mm. uh, I don't know what the Italian version is. It might be Juan. Maybe something like that. No Italian. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Italian and Spanish are like basically yeah. the same and thing. And I know in uh, French, I can't remember what it is in French, but all those are names are just derivations Jean, of the movie. Jean-Luc. Jean, that's just right. Jean, Jean. Yeah, J-E-A-N, yeah. Jean-Baptiste. Um, <laughs> oh, that's probably what is in Italian too. Jean. Jean, yeah. Um, but yeah, John. Anyways, um, I think that that was probably a true vision. I mean, I think that was probably like a seer's vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody yeah. with the gift of sight. What's weird about it is I just I was thinking about this the other day is it seems like there's it's like Django that Quentin Tarantino movie like there's like seven <laughs> endings <laughs> how, did, how did Django get brought up in the conversation we're having Cause there's that's like, hilarious there's like seven endings in that book it's like and then in the seventh chapter the whole universe is destroyed and it's like <laughs> wait, wait, okay wait, wait, well how are they gonna <laughs> Like continue wait, wait. on with this book. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The movie in the movie or the book? Is there a book? In Revelation, the whole oh. world is destroyed. In Django, it's like there are like a bunch of endings because they keep tracking down yeah. different people. And it's like right. the first ending is like in the first like 20 or 30 minutes, I feel mm. like. And they like kill this plantation owner. Yep. Or like someone like that. He kills the two slave him. owners. Mm-hmm. The the two slavers that used to, to you that like used to whip him. Mm-hmm. 
um, when he's wearing that blue suit. You and I saw yeah. that movie together. Do you we remember did. that? Yeah, in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was funny. Um, <laughs> was one great. of the only times I've ever been in a movie where like people were cheering in the on the crowd and stuff. It was pretty funny. Oh yeah, cla- <laughs> like people were like jeering the movie on and clapping and cheering and stuff. It was pretty funny. Um, it was a good movie. I like Quentin Tarantino movies, but uh, uh, well, Revelation. Yeah, well, I, so not like critical. They're not I'm endings. Just like- it's just sort of like. D- isn't it just sort of like an expansion out like this happens then this happens and this happens i don't think it's not sequential that's what i would argue oh i think it's um i think it's just separate series of visions about the end of the world you might say um Mm. and like i it's hard even to like conceptualize or like even remember what happens because it was like and then like basically ufo crashes and these like demons come out it's so abstract <laughs> it's so abstract right like i mean even the way that it, like um the an angel is described right is like wheels and wheels without eyes and it's just like all over the place and there's chimeras and mm-hmm. um demons and um like dragons even right and like well, uh, the dragon or is, is the, the dragon devil. just the devil yeah yeah okay yeah, but, um, but in revelation maybe we should do one in revelation uh mm-hmm. oh, i would love to do that yeah uh, there's like and then michael like drove the dragon out of heaven but it's like that wasn't and then he like that wasn't it and then he like sent him the bottomless pit and then uh, after a thousand years it's gonna be released and then come back and then christ is gonna kill him for good and it's like and then they're like but and then they were like the, and this is totally out of sequence but like, yeah, yeah. it's like and then there's like this beast and then he has an apostle and they're defeated but then they're not defeated and they come back and there's like another <laughs> guy and there's like the one with like the seven heads and the ten <laughs> yeah. horns and it's like uh-huh. what the fuck is going on <laughs> do you think that it's almost an entirely symbolic work I, I think that's what a lot of modern commentaries would say uh, or at least the one that I've I have and read a little bit of that's really confusing mm-hmm. is like it is to the argument that one of the arguments they're making is it's to fortify the fortify Christians for the tribulations and persecutions that they suffer in the world mm-hmm. um, because of Christ mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. That makes sense that it's like uh, coming up or not coming up with because I do think it was probably or was divinely inspired, but that it's imagery shown to John to be transcribed into words to then draw out this these senses and imagery in people's minds. Um, and that that symbolic imagery ties in. I do believe that we have archetypes 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 built into our mind in our psyches i do think that's true the purely evolutionary source of them i would disagree with um just like our conscience i would disagree that's an evolutionary development i don't think that makes any sense um so the 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 symbology that is there could have been designed to elicit certain feelings and emotions and and ideas in the minds of men that read it through the symbology, through the use of archetypes. The God knows are there, the Holy Spirit knows they're there in our minds and can use them to their ends. So 
what is do you think it's the divine origin um that the following is of divine origin the fact that especially in revelation they're like the christians it's like there's one point where it's like and then the christians cried out to god to basically like when when are you gonna like avenge our blood against those who have persecuted us and killed us and stuff mm-hmm. like doesn't seem very christian you might say <laughs> to well, it's kind of joby like that it's kind of joby yeah it, it kind of is a uh, allegorical which everything in the Bible is allegorical to itself and all <laughs> yeah. over the place. Like, uh, I don't really care for him so much, but Peterson, he said, uh, that, uh, it's the first work that's like hyperlinked all over the place. Like every mm-hmm. other word connects to every other word and you can just click all over, the, you know, yeah, yeah. obviously you can't, but you know, you could, if you knew every single connection that the people who authored it and the people who read it. Oh, did. and like revelation mm-hmm. is like, like the guy who wrote it or the people who wrote it, maybe there were like some, good editors or whatever but you know whoever wrote it they knew the bible like forward and back you can't mm-hmm. find a line in there that's not like to another line in the bible like it's, it's not crazy an illusion. like that yeah yeah oh yeah well and but the whole bible is like that too mm-hmm. um, but this in particular i think okay i think i think um i think i read this might be wrong but there's like something like the revelation has more connections to the Bi- to the rest of the Bible than the the rest of the Bible has. Oh wow! Within itself, that might be wow. totally wrong. I have to look that up. I don't think but... you would have made that up out of whole cloth, though. <laughs> so I I am tending to believe that that's true. Uh, I feel like I've heard something similar to like that before. So that doesn't seem like a a, a totally off the wall idea. Um, that's incredible, though, if that is true. I mean, how big is even the book of Revelation? It's not that very big. It's not very big. No, it's like 20, 21 chapters. Yeah, I think 22 yeah. chapters, maybe like what? 10 pages in your average Bible. <laughs> yeah, It's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Yeah, we should we should just do a deep dive on Revelation sometime so I can yeah. so I can properly uh, examine it because mm-hmm. I. Mm-hmm probably haven't read revelation for like 10 years if not more i mean maybe when i was in high school i think i read it just to be like yeah i read revelations man it's freaking <laughs> wild dude oh. <laughs> um so i guess uh uh was there any other main points you wanted to touch on uh, as far as jung and uh answer to job <laughs> jung answer to job Carl Jung, answer to Job. Um, I thought it's kind of weird that Job isn't even considered. Like, they don't talk about Job or his friends being Jewish. And the land of us is like, it doesn't exist. It's a fake place. So it's kind of like this time. It's just, so I don't think, I'm not sure, because it's in the book. It's in, like, the book of wisdom, the books of wisdom. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't even think... Like, I think maybe there might be some kind of historical precedence to it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, like, I don't think a human, like, was up at the Council of God. Right, like, right, like, right. Oh, look, Satan, like, then this Satan mm-hmm. was, like, doing this. And it's like, oh, right, what he did. And then, like, put it in the book. 
Right. <laughs> Whereas I think like Ezekiel is a more historical person with a real actual physical and the reality relationship with God. You know, like the prophets, I think, are real people. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like Isaiah was definitely a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know enough about Ezekiel and um, the other ones. But yeah, even just using Isaiah as the example, I think like the prophets are real people. Job, I feel like this story is written in such a way it doesn't really feel historical like other books do. It doesn't really feel like narrative, it's like poetry. historical narrative. Yeah, exactly. It's prose poetry. It's it's um, mm-hmm. it feels more like a folk tale than a than other books mm-hmm. um, all, that are more historical. All, and there are psalms. I mean, there are parts of Job that are very psalm psalm like. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think there's one part where he's saying he's like my children don't want to talk to me every time I go into the marketplace people hate me blah blah it's like dude your children are dead right. like this just doesn't fit here right. <laughs> like someone right. must have like put this in like like right. it was a psalm that got rejected right. and they're like maybe we can get into the book of Job <laughs> <laughs> right. get, go right. to the bible publisher like <laughs> the Torah or the this will never publisher. make it in my damn Bible. <laughs> I'm going to run you out of town. <laughs> Nineveh will have none of this. Oh, I thought it was interesting <laughs> that. Uh, so Jung so was like, yeah, it doesn't look like John, or at least the author of Revelation, um, was insane. Like, uh he says he thinks he thinks he was insane you think he was not kind of like chesterton was saying like jesus obviously wasn't insane oh right right uh which we talked about in another episode the last episode i think Mm -hmm. it's too i was actually gonna bring uh, it's too salient Uh uh-huh i was gonna bring that up actually just a minute ago when you were talking about jesus um and that maybe young was asserting that he was just a man possessed with this obsession of the Christ archetype that led him to fulfill that. I was yeah, going to bring that point up. Archetype of the savior, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. What were you going to say? D- people that are obsessed are not mentally right. <laughs> and it's clear that Jesus was um, mentally salient and clear and knew what he was doing. Well, it's not obsessed. It's not obsessed, obsessed, possessed. So like, if you truly believe that you are the Messiah, I think it'll change. Uh, let, me, let me look at the exact quote. Okay, but when someone says he was a man possessed, you know, you could exactly use the phrase he was a man obsessed. They're the same idea in that context. But not psychologically, because obsessed is more like it has the connotations of compulsion. Of, uh, no, almost like choice, like obsessed with a woman rather than possessed of a woman. Because to be possessed by a woman, I feel like it's more like absolute. Compulsion. Yeah. Uncontrollable compulsion. Yeah. Okay. So, so is he saying he was a man possessed or a man obsessed? He was, he wasn't saying that. I think he was just kind of. Throwing it out there. Throwing it out there, yeah. <laughs> let me let me look up the quote. I have the paragraph here. Let's see. I thought it was a six point eight. 
Um, I would go. I will say that OCD is called obsessive compulsive disorder. <laughs> um. Okay, this is this is answer to Joe. Uh, paragraph six forty eight in mine. Um. Which is psychology and religion. Uh, the fact that the life of Christ is largely myth does absolutely nothing to disprove its factual truth. Quite the contrary. I would even go so far as to say that the mythical character of a life is just what expresses its universal human validity. It is perfectly possible, psychologically, for the unconscious or an archetype to take complete possession of a man and to determine his fate down to the smallest detail. So, hmm. um, at least to my mind, it kind of makes sense uh, that, uh, you know, of course, I don't believe Jesus was God, so uh, this is going to sound <laughs> grating in your ears, but uh, uh. that it makes sense to my mind that <clears throat> Jesus is like, um, kind of thinks he's the savior of Israel. He's going to be the king, you know, the son of David kind of thing. Like, cause I think he did, like I said, in another episode, I think he did believe he was the Messiah. Um, and he kind of took on attributes to, uh, because he did believe that and he did do what he did and said what he said because of that um and when he saw so when you have that archetype working within you and it's like well nothing's really happening like we're not gonna like the kingdom of heaven hasn't come yet you know what is my purpose if i'm the messiah and you know i think he decided that he would have to sacrifice himself or like he would have to, you know, go through a lot of suffering and die for that to come to fruition for Israel to be saved or something along those lines. Um, what do you think about the predictions though? I mean, he literally told Peter that he would betray him three times before the cock crowed and then it happened. You mean, Betray him three times? No, it was deny. Deny him three times. Deny him three times, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, is Which is kind of betrayal. <laughs> but deny. Um, I don't know how... Like, I mean, like I said, like I said in the last episode, I don't think that's multiply attested. I think it might be in... You know, it's in all of them. I don't know if that was a story. I guess that wouldn't be a story you tell later. So that would be a mark to its credit. A story that, you know, like the... the Makes him look bad. Makes him look bad, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and he was the first pope, you know, like... Yeah. Um, Peter is one of the more human characters. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like even questions like I want so Jesus gives him the keys to heaven 
mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's actually like because I, I don't see that as as legitimate as a lot of stuff because they went up to on the mountain and, and that was with the transfiguration too so there wouldn't be that as many witnesses to that he wasn't alone though it wasn't just him it was also Some, John yeah John and him and James I think it was him John and James no, it was only two are you sure yeah wait actually I'm not <laughs> I want to say it was him John and James I remember I feel like it says something like him, his most beloved apostle, John, and their brother, James, or something like that. I feel like it says that there, but I, I could be wrong. But OK, it was at least him and John. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, gives, he gives him the keys to heaven, said everything will be loosed, blah, blah, blah. And then later uh, he said, whatever is loose in heaven will be loose on earth. Whatever is loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Right. That's what mm-hmm. he says. OK, bound, bound, bound and loose. Oh, bound yeah. and loose. Mm hmm. Um, but they're somehow complementary, which is like a mystery. Whatever will be bound, whatever will be bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever will be, will be loosed on earth, earth will be loosed in heaven. So, and then he says, and then when he predicts his death, which you know I'll, I'll grant, I think that probably happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and they he knew that they were going to come arrest him that night. In the garden. Hmm, I'm not sure about that. I'll have to look into that. Um, but he did. Uh, God, what am I trying to say? I'm just trying to say that. Mm-hmm, sorry, uh, I'm, I'm that cutting you Peter, off. <laughs> that Peter was like, no, that's not going to happen when Jesus predicted his death. He's like, God forbid, basically. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was like, get behind me, Satan. Yep. And he called peter satan it's like mm-hmm. you just gave him the mm-hmm. kings you just gave mm-hmm. him the keys mm-hmm. to heaven and earth dude like what's going mm-hmm. on with that <laughs> i think it makes sense though in the context like he's saying like the um it's the when when satan uh when jesus was in the desert and satan was tempting him he was tempting him with the physical he was tempting him with offers of this physical world and so then peter's like you know, God forbid you should die, right? And be gone from this physical world. So, you know, get behind me, Satan. Like, don't tempt me with your physicality, you know, kind of thing. Mm. That's how I would, that's how, I mean. What's get behind? Very, what's to get, what is to get behind in that context? Like get out of, I think like get out of my way or. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can see that. But it's weird. What, I guess it's that's up. how I always took it. I guess he would say like follow me Satan if he meant him to follow but that like wouldn't mm-hmm. make sense at all. Like get behind me be gone from my sight maybe. Go oh away. yeah. Yeah. There is that thing which I think Answers Job talks about. We're kind of all over the place but Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> uh Answers Job talks about where he's like there's the old Jewish tradition of the elect or something like that. Mhm being under god's throne so like protected but it's like where god can't see them or where yahweh Hmm. can't see them so he can't like judge them he can't judge or attack them well what there is a what isn't there modern um quote unquote christian groups who believe in the elect um adventists seventh day adventists i think Maybe even Calvinists kind of believe in the elect, predestination and all that. I think that I think that it has to do with the elect. Um, 
no, I'm I'm certain it does. Uh, okay. And the Puritans had the idea of the elect as well. Um, and they were Calvinists that believe in predestination. Um, and if you were predestined to heaven, you were the elect. That was the elect. At least in their, in, in their times. Catholics don't believe that there's an elect? Um, I it would be it would mean a completely different thing. Because Jesus like says the, the word the elect, the words the elect. It, it, no, okay, but I the in these modern or more modern things, they're tying predestination to the elect. Mm. So that that but that's Catholics don't believe in predestination. So I don't know. I don't know. I just off the top of my head, I don't know what the Catholic stances on that like. Phrase that Jesus uses of the elect. There's some one part where Jesus is like, they will try to deceive even the elect. Hmm. Well, I mean, I would take that as like the elect is like the saved, the, mm-hmm. the those that have taken the word and have, you know, been elected to heaven. Mm-hmm. But they cannot and, easily be impeached. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah. I mean, think of what the term in our modern sense means. The elect is somebody who's been chosen to go into a some sort of body, mm-hmm. you know, to political either body. hold a seat, yeah, political body, or you know, any any type of body. Somebody could be elected to go, um, you know, of a group. You're it's a smaller portion of that is being chosen to go to a particular thing or represent them in a certain way or go to a particular place and do something. It's a chosen, chosen, right. Mm -hmm. Right. To do something or receive something or, um, so I don't know. I don't know about that, but I, uh, yeah. Predestination just seems like a joke to me. It seems, (laughs) I can't take Calvin seriously. No, (laughs) it just doesn't seem right at all. I, I, I wonder from their perspective, it's like, Oh, well, maybe they don't, I don't know. It's like, do they even believe in free will at that point? Well, obviously they can't. No. So I don't get it. I don't think I don't, they do. I don't, the whole Calvinist thing, I don't understand. I wasn't raised in it, so I don't get it. Well, it's. I think it's like almost like an off branch of pagan, or like I know pagan is like a very broad term, but like the Greeks, heathen, the Greeks, pagan. yeah, and the um, the Norse both thought like that they had it they would die on a particular day and Mm -hmm. in a particular way and they're like Mm -hmm. oh well we're just gonna go into battle because like if we die we die and if we don't die then uh it's not our day (laughs) Mm -hmm. because well that's the idea that's like the idea of thanatos right is it thanatos just means death doesn't it the god of death oh okay was and then okay um and then there's the god of time which is what? Um, let's t- I should know this. <laughs> Time and you should. In the Roman version is like Janus, I'm pretty sure, but I can't remember the Greek. Um, but anyways, mm. yeah, it's the idea that they two, the both of them, conspire together for your end moment, and that it is like decided by the fates. Yeah. What so those gosh darn Calvinists? Uh, yeah, a bunch of those Protestant revolutions, they uh, there's a lot of violence there. 
<laughs> have you ever have you ever uh, looked into the Anabaptists? Yeah, <laughs> the like Munich. Episode. Oh man, <laughs> that was oh crazy. yeah, he did talk about that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's like the guy Wackos. died, and then they're like, they came back the next day, and they're like, yeah, we changed the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so fucking weird. Like what? I I love that the the conclusion of that whole event is just the the, the like the prince just came in with an army and literally just murdered everyone. <laughs> he was like, um, "Well, Chris and Dumb, this must be done," and then just like slaughtered all the heretics. <laughs> um. Well, I so okay. F- let, let, should we move towards closing? Yeah. Closing remarks. I've kind of run out of things that I want to say on this. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I think I'm trying to like, it's hard to like, once you read answer Joe, it's hard to like yeah. remember what you read. Oh yeah. Jung well, is that's how it really is with, with that. The, that's how it is with all the, like the continental philosophers. It's like, <laughs> oh, Jesus, what did I just you read? Know, oh for, my God. For a philosopher, like psychologist, he actually doesn't like his writing is actually like tolerable. No, it's, well, because he wasn't alive in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah. He would have been born 100 years before. Forget about it. I, uh, no pun intended. I can't read Kant. Oh, yeah. No. Kant. Uh, yeah. Hegel. Um, oh, my God. I, it, even Marx is like, dude. My communist it's manifesto is like, okay. And then it like just drops off from there as he loses it's his horrible. mind. Oh, he my was, God. Das Kapital is horrible. He was... um. We might have talked about this on this very podcast, even, but Marx, uh, he was losing his mind pretty much. Like, <laughs> he was trying to write this treatise, trying to get his ideas all down. And he would just take days off. He would just write for like 24 hours straight, just not sleep for days, sleep way too much. Mm-hmm. Just like very chaotic personality. He had sex yeah. with his uh, housekeeper and got him mm. pregnant. When he nice. was married, so you know, committed mm. adultery. <laughs> yeah, um, sounds like a drunk, communist got, to me. Got drunk all the time. <laughs> sounds like a worthless communist to me. I don't know. <sighs> Apparently, Jung and Freud were in love with the same woman. And that's what, or they were both like sleeping with her or something. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> If you want to go to a university department and find the most insane people, go to the psycho, <laughs> go to the psychology <laughs> department. Something about wanting to study the mind and how it works tends to draw in people who are nuts and want to figure out how their own brain works because they can't figure it out. <laughs> I heard <laughs> I, on, I heard on a podcast someone was like, I think it might have been on Lex Friedman's podcast where someone was like, um, Lex Luthor's podcast. Obviously, yeah, Lex Luthor's podcast where. Someone was like, any psychology major, like, I wouldn't trust them to be my psychiatrist. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I completely agree with that. Yeah, no, you want, you want almost someone who's like a medical doctor to then be trained in the psychiatric (laughs) literature. Like, that's really what you would want. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, uh, I I don't know if you want to go ahead and kind of give your closing thoughts uh, on uh, on answer to Job, your closing conclusions, and we can we can wrap this thing up. We're over the two hour mark. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I've read this before, kind of on the second reading. Um, I kind of I think in this reading, 
I took the idea of evil and stuff more seriously. And I've kind of never seen it as that much of a problem. Because like I said before, I feel like spiritually, I can reconcile the good and evil in the universe um, and through acceptance of what is, um, which I think is kind of like a, akin to acceptance of God, you, you could say. Um, but I guess I wanted to just see what the intellectual argument of the problem of evil like what people would who don't believe in god or like who um you know well, i don't even a it's thomas weird. aquinas said that the problem of evil was the second best argument against the existence of god <laughs> so it's it has merit but he yeah. answered it yeah i just don't, haven't seen it as that much of a problem i guess i was kind of curious of why people see it as a problem um I was raised with a bunch of different religious backgrounds, like mm-hmm. combined, like um, Eastern philosophy, Eastern and- philosophy, just kind of like uh, more of like trying to get the ego out of it, um, kind of deal. But I, f- right. I feel like well, that's all Buddhism is all about. The idea of suffering. Yeah. I mean, the question of suffering is like, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) But Buddhism is like very specific. Like the question of suffering is what it's all formulated around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just feel like I see the, I, I can step back and kind of observe the mind of God, how I think it functions and just kind of be okay with that. Mm hmm. And whether good and evil exist in God, I'm not really sure. Um, And I mean, I don't, it's like, in a way, it's like Jung is a Job that's trying to figure out this. Yeah, the, the nature of God, the nature of God. And um. Someone asked Jordan Peterson recently, I think, or, you know, they always ask him like, okay, like, what is, what is the new understanding that like we're going to get to by like studying the Bible and the terms and our, and our, by using our modern, like conceptions of things to understand God, to understand Mm -hmm. religion and Christianity and stuff. And, uh, he answered like, well, that's what we're trying to figure out by talking and thinking about things and and uh, stuff like that. And, you know, Jung makes the assertion that I don't think he's even sure of, like, God equals reality with a capital R. Mm-hmm. And it's like, to me, that seems so obvious. Um but it of course it goes against the Christian and like Judea almost like at least it goes against the Christian idea. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and maybe it's just something you can never comprehend with your intellect but because because to worship god to worship reality as god um reality not just create there's a not just not just creation right not just creation like reality with a capital r would be everything that happens everything out i mean you could say like everything outside of time and space Mm -hmm. and and, um everything that is the the alpha and omega um yeah yeah everything that is um it's hard to describe really um, at that point it's hard to work it's even harder to worship like how are you going to worship something like that that's i think that's maybe the main obstacle that modern man has to contend with and what's what Jung is trying to do, I think, to I'll try to wrap this up. What Jung mm-hmm. is trying to do is he wants to he wants the light to comprehend the darkness and the darkness to comprehend the light. That to be a kind of fusion. But I, I don't think he he wants to be Manichaean in his which is like a com- what is like good and evil are basically the same right. or something. Right, right. Um, and so I don't think he, because I think he does tend to want good and want life to be affirmed. And yeah, I would agree. You with know, that. yeah, want because he and want like consciousness to prevail. Consciousness equals light mm-hmm. equals God or whatever. Good, good, good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he just want he wants this to be more conscious of the darkness that is within us mm-hmm. and um so we can be actually good you know so in this what jordan peterson talks about too like you could if you had power like you could be bad you like humans can be really really bad and evil oh yeah oh yeah and, and to rec- like I, to recognize that you can do evil you know, that's just an example, but I mean, in a sense, it's not because, you know, at any moment you could do evil and like not even know it if you're unconscious of what you're doing. Right. Um, and I think you, people like Jung and Freud, they want you to be conscious. They want you to, you know, go into the unknown and discover these pockets of darkness that... Um, need to be integrated in you you need to have that understanding of that's what's down in the depths of your being and um that in a sense is the light i mean you could you know religiously say that is the light of christ to enlighten your whole being and you know that every like his quote like everything nothing will be hidden everything will be revealed. I forget mm-hmm. exactly. It's <laughs> something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's his prophecy. And I think that's a good prophecy to kind of live your life by. And when you see things that, when you see just a little problem, like something small in your unconscious, it's kind of like icebergs itself. Like you mm-hmm. should pay attention to that mm-hmm. and try to root it out. Um, and I think that's a good lesson to live your life by. 
uh, yeah, that's my, that's my closing statement. Sweet. <laughs> sweet. No, that was good. That's good. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I definitely think that, you know, uh, being analytical of ourselves is important. Um, and that was kind of a point that young made is that, uh, being self-analytical, he was kind of making the argument that the fact that humanity is mortal, uh, the humans are mortal, that we have this deeper introspection that maybe even God does. Uh, I disagree with that, but that was just one thing, one thing that young was kind of saying, um, yeah, I think uh, it's definitely interesting. Young is definitely interesting. Um, this is probably the first time, the deepest I've ever gone into his work um, before. So it's it's all kind of all new to me. So I'm I'm really just kind of uh, at the uh, in the waiting end of the pool. You know, I haven't really d- dove in head first or anything on it. Um, so I, I think I might need to. I definitely need to do some more study on it. But uh, I just would say I I do disagree. Um, with, you know, a lot of the assertions that he made specifically, um, with regard to Christianity, he wasn't a Christian. So obviously he's going to have a different outside perspective of that. Um, but I think that, I think that reading the book of Job is important. I think everyone should. Um, and, uh, but I think, I think the thing just to take away from Job, the book of Job, um, not answer to Job, the actual Bible book, uh, is that, you know, obedience to God, understanding our proper place in this universe. Um, you know, that God is God. We are man knowing our place, um, that good things do happen or to bad people, bad things happen to good people. And that, that, you know, it's not necessarily tied to the actions that we take on this planet, um, that we can't can't like we were talking can't predict the future we can't know how things are going to play out when bad things happen we have to remember that it's tied to our original sin as human beings um and humble ourselves in that regard and and you know not curse god for for things bad things that happen to us i've fallen into that in my previously in my life um and i think it's just destructive and i think it it upturns the proper order in your mind and you think ah screw, you know, screw it or whatever, or you feel hurt or betrayed or anything. Um, but I don't think that that's the way to live your life. I, I think that's tends towards hatefulness and resentment and the, and, and not forgiveness and not, um, bearing up that suffering and giving it up as an offering to God. It, suffering exists in this world, no doubt. Um, yeah, definitely have a lot to think about from, from this book. Um, so I'm glad we, uh, from young generally too, I, I definitely need to look into it more. It's really interesting, but, um, I know it, I might take a more simplistic approach to it. Uh, but I think that that, uh, sometimes simple is better. Um, and sometimes there, I, you know, it's re- well recognized that there are mystery mysteries, um, to this universe and human existence that we will probably never, ever have answers to. Um, not that we shouldn't look into those mysteries, uh, but just the idea, uh, sometimes we just have to accept that there are mysteries that are beyond our intellect as human beings that we can ever, um, really come to terms with and fully understand. Um, and then that's where I think the understanding of God, God's got that stuff on lockdown. He knows what's going on. We don't. Um, so just kind of leave it up to God in, in, in those situations. Um, so that, that's kind of my, that would be my closing statement. Okay. And I think, um, uh, I know I talk about Jordan Peterson a lot. George Peterson's wife, uh, Tammy, you know, she, Tammy Peterson, she died. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) She almost died. Uh, Oh, that's right. I shouldn't have made that joke. I'm sorry. um, So she is a cancer survivor and like, she Mm -hmm. was almost like hundred percent going to die. Like those are statistics for her type of cancer. Yeah. And she, you know, kind of went back to, uh, I think she was a Catholic. She went, yeah, she was, uh, Went, oh, okay. ba- went back to her faith kind of during her oh, crisis 
Um, oh, wow. And, uh, you know, her own, like, she does rosary. Like, that mm-hmm. helps her. Um, yeah. And, but she also says, just to add to that point you just made, she just does a little prayer when she wakes up in the morning and says, your will be done. That's yeah. all she says. And then. I love that. Uh-huh. I love that. That's, that's, I, that's awesome. Cause that is, then you're, you're, you're setting up the day to have a proper, mm-hmm. proper understanding and of you know reality. You know, what's weird yeah. is, uh, is I do that when, um, I do sprints every other day, um, up kind of a steady slope. That's uh, good. But yeah. yeah. And whenever, like when I'm almost at the, the top where I stop, you know, and rest, um, I just, just to keep myself going, I'll say your will be done just over and over. And then like, usually it just adds like the, the extra yeah. energy. Cause it's like, yeah. Oh, I'm not in control. Just like, well, cause yeah, if me, you God. couldn't do it, if you could do it, then it wasn't, it, you know, then the re, the bend re, the reality wasn't bent to that proposition. So if you can do it, then you could do it. Right. So yeah, I like that. I like that. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah. And at the very least it's healthy psychologically, I think. Oh yeah. Well, Henry Ford said, if you think you can't, you, you won't be able to. And if you think you can, you will be mm-hmm. able to. Thomas More the Tank Engine. Not. <laughs> Thomas the Tank. Or, no, 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 no. The little engine that could. Oh, is it? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I think I can. I think I can. Yeah. Yeah. Or Obama. Yes, you can. Yes, we can. No, oh, si se puede. Si se puede. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I haven't okay, thought about I that think, in a while. So we uh, wait. What was that in Spanish? If si se puede, is it if? Yes. You can? Oh, can. I see. I can't. Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was some kind of like doom thing. Sounded like. Oh no no no! It was, it was just the Spanish like, translation of "Yes, like, we can." Diablo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. And that was the extent of the Spanish. Um, actually, I know quite a bit of Spanish, but anyway. Um, okay, so that was answer to Job. Uh, we haven't picked a topic for next week. Probably something biblical. Episode um, four, man. We're epi- making progress. This is episode three, isn't it? Yeah, this episode, is three. Okay. The next one okay. will be four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 We're making progress. Uh, yeah. We're we're so what we're gonna do is uh, try to do it. Um, two times a month or like every two weeks. Bi- bi-weekly. Uh-huh. Bi-weekly sounds like two times a week. <laughs> I know. It's such a fake it like, concept. Or something. Uh, so yeah, we're going to try to do that. Um, and I am thinking about doing a podcast on the off weeks by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe like just go into a deep dive on something. Maybe for like yeah. thirty minutes or something. Yeah, I think that'd be um, awesome. It would be pra- It would could. It's nice because it's practice talking. Blah 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 blah. So yeah, yeah, and more content for the, for the for the masses. Yeah, <laughs> more content for the masses. Content is is everything. Content um, is king. <laughs> Cotton is king. Uh, it's like race to say that or something. That's a wow, historical. Will. Wow, Will. <laughs> it's a historical can't, can't like, thing they used that. to say. Yeah. Out of this gang. Yeah. Um. <laughs> wow. You can't say word. And you can't say any word they said in the 1800s. How dare you? You can't say that. <laughs> you speak English. How dare you? Imperialist. Um. Seriously, colonial <laughs> asshole. 
<laughs> I have a square hat. Uh, three. What is he? Call, what do they call it? Three point hat. Oh yeah, yeah. The colonial, yeah. The colonial I don't, hat. Napoleon hat. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but. I'm always bad yeah, at I think this that, up, but what are you going to say? Think, uh, I think that could be good. I'm still up in the air if I want to switch us to bi-weekly. I was kind of considering it the other night, but uh, we can we can talk off air. But um, mm-hmm. if if we do go to bi-weekly, um, I think that'd be cool if you uh, do the do the off weeks a little um, little little lesson yeah. type deal or something. <laughs> I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Peace. Peace.